The following podcast contains advertising. To access an ad-free version of the Lawfare podcast, become a material supporter of Lawfare at patreon.com lawfare. That's patreon.com lawfare. Also, check out Lawfare's other podcast offerings, Rational Security, Chatter, Lawfare No Bull, and The Aftermath. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is important, allegedly, in explaining why Tario wasn't present at January 6th, why he was arrested on January 4th, and it's also allegedly uh, relevant to show why the Proud Boys, who used to be a pro-police organization, become so anti-DC police uh, as of January 5th and 6th. And, and we really also haven't gotten to the main FBI witnesses who introduced tons of telegram messages and parlor messages and uh, things like that, which were absolutely crucial in the Oath Keepers case. In that case, they were signal messages, encrypted signal messages drawn from the defendant's phone. So I think that's going to take a lot of time. I'm Benjamin Wittes, and this is the Lawfare Podcast, January 30th, 2023. For the last several days, Lawfare Senior Editor Roger Parloff has been in court covering the Proud Boys trial on a live blog on Lawfare. The trial took a two-day break the other day, and we thought it would be a good opportunity to catch up on what is proving to be a grueling presentation of evidence. Roger joined me in the virtual jungle studio for an update on the case so far. How has the government been doing in presenting its case against Enrique Tario and the other Proud Boys? Where has the defense scored points? What evidence is left still to present? And how long is this trial likely to go? It's the Lawfare Podcast, January 30th, Roger Parloff with a Proud Boys trial update. So, Roger, you have been through nine days, I believe, so far of the Proud Boys trial in Washington. First of all, uh, give us a little sense of who the defendants are here and for those who don't remember what the charges are. Sure. There's five defendants. Uh, the Sort of the top defendant is probably Enrique Tario. He was the chairman of the Proud Boys on January 6th. Ethan Nordine would be next. He's uh, a Proud Boy from Auburn, Washington. And the case name is United States versus Nordine. He was one of the first arrested. And Tario was not actually present on 
January 6th. He was arrested on January 4th. And so the government's theory is he sort of appointed his lieutenants to take over the command on January 6th and oversaw them. And the lieutenants were Nordeen, Ethan Nordeen, Joe Biggs of Ormond Beach, Florida. Uh, He's a a former employee of InfoWars and uh, often appears on InfoWars or did before this event. Zachary Reel from Philadelphia. And then the last defendant is not really a leader, but his name is Dominic Pizzola. And our listeners have seen Dominic Pizzola. He's the one who smashes out the first windows of the Capitol with a stolen riot shield uh, on the Upper West Terrace, just uh, south of the Senate wing doors. And uh, and the, the first rioters enter through those windows, including eventually him. So those are the five. And remind listeners what the charges are. The top charges, again, are seditious conspiracy. This is the third seditious conspiracy trial now that we had the first two Oath Keepers trials, which are now completed. It's like in the Oath Keepers case, the, the top charges are seditious conspiracy, two other kinds of conspiracy. One is called conspiracy to obstruct a, an official proceeding. The other is conspiracy to prevent uh, federal officers from doing their duty. In this case, members of Congress and also police officers. And also then a substantive count of corrupt obstruction of, a, of an official proceeding. And then there's, uh, in in all, there's 10 counts. There's a couple assault counts, although these people aren't really charged with doing the assaults themselves. It's both sort of an aiding and abetting theory and a conspiracy theory. And there's destruction of property. And there's also one count against Pozzola of robbery, which means stealing, uh, wresting away the riot shield from a police officer. In a, in a struggle. All right. And so give us a, a sense of where we are in the trial. We did a, a sort of podcast uh, that was a kind of curtain opener uh, the day before, the day of the opening arguments. How far has the trial gone so far? Well, uh, we're, we've just completed the seventh witness and the first uh, civilian witness, that meaning one of the people that pled guilty, a proud boy who pled guilty and is is testifying pursuant to a cooperation agreement, that's Matt Green. I would say it's still going slowly, though. Uh, I, I, it does not feel it's gotten that far. The five lawyers do lengthy cross, so I, I think we've got at least four more weeks of government case left, and I expect maybe more. Wow. So that is significantly more than longer than we saw with the either first or second Oath Keepers trial, right? Those were kind of five-week trials? Yeah, I think so. The the first Oath Keeper trial actually probably did go about six six weeks, but it felt faster, frankly, the, uh, the cross-examinations are very lengthy so far. Oh, incidentally, 
I, I, I misspoke. Uh, the uh, cooperating witness was technically the second civilian witness. Uh, the first was was a filmmaker named Nick Quested, a documentarist, and who was sort of embedded with the Proud Boys for a couple important days. Right, and who people will remember from the January sixth committee. Uh, exactly. hearings. Yeah. So talk to us about how effective the government's case has been so far. The government has just come off two major wins in the Oath Keepers cases, although uh, the second win being uh, more complete than the first. How is the Proud Boys going trial going so far, and why are these cross-examinations uh, as lengthy as they have been? I think it's going all right. It's really too early to tell. The, we, we have the theory that they're focusing, the government is focusing on four early breaches, uh, a succession of early breaches at which the Proud Boys were conspicuously present and involved and in sometimes clearly actively involved. But the theory is a little unusual in that, you know, with seditious conspiracy, you need to show the use of force. Um, there's two theories here, the use of force to oppose the authority of the United States and the use of force to prevent, hinder, or delay uh, the execution of certain U.S. laws, in this case, the laws governing the transition of presidential power. And so the theory is not so much that they physically used the force, but that they used other Proud Boys and to some extent, even other members of the crowd that weren't Proud Boys, whom they called normies, as tools. They sort of instigated them to do the dirty work. And uh, there's a, a defense is, uh, as you can imagine, is quite upset about this theory. So that's that's what they're presenting, and then why are the the crosses so lengthy? Um, there are five very uh, strong-willed uh, lawyers and and tenacious lawyers, and the the defense theories are not identical. They have at some points they seem to be a little at cross purposes, so uh, they all need to get out their points. So let's talk about the government's theory of the case here. As we talked about in our curtain opener, the government is essentially alleging, unlike with the Oath Keepers, that the Proud Boys always meant to storm the Capitol, that that was the objective, right? I, I would twist that a little. I would say they aren't saying there's a plan to invade the Capitol, they are saying there's a plan, like like the Oath Keepers, they're saying there's a broader plan to use uh, whatever force is necessary up to in, and including force to prevent Biden from becoming president. But I do think they there's more evidence of uh, uh, that they're focusing on the Capitol. They don't necessarily expect to get inside, but there's evidence couple days before the event where uh, one proud boy in their telegram chat group begins to suggest that the theater of operations ought to be right at the Capitol because that's where you can scare the legislators. 
And um, Tario entertains that, seems to be entertaining that idea on the morning of January 4th. He says, you know, oh, so you're saying we should we should focus on the capital. And then uh, there's there's definitely evidence of, of a plan. And of course, they're much, much more the instigators than the Oath Keepers were. The instigators of the violence. Yes. And they're at all these crucial four points. And there's no question about that. They meet at the Washington Monument at 10 a.m. They march immediately to the Capitol. They don't listen to the speech. They're not big speech guys. No. And they arrive at the Peace Circle, There's, uh, which is where things begin. That's where the first breach is. It's just northwest of the Capitol. It's sort of if you were to walk down Pennsylvania, which is the way you would get from the ellipse to the Capitol, and and you walk Pennsylvania Avenue ends, and it ends into this pedestrian path at the Peace Circle. And that's where they had a pitiful number of police officers, maybe five at 12.53 p.m. And you had a crowd, which one person described as 70% Proud Boys right there at the crowd. And that's where the first breach occurs. And that is not by a proud boy, however. It's really Ryan, a, a rioter named Ryan Samsel is the one who suddenly strides up to that barricade. The thing that's intriguing is that about one minute, two minutes before he does that, he goes up to defendant Joe Biggs and wraps his hand around him and has a little conversation in Biggs' ear. And then then. Uh, about a minute later, he strides up. That's all we've seen so far about, you know, you know, I, I, the, the defense lawyers have already suggested that Samsel was simply saying, you know, Samsel had seen Biggs on Infowars and was just sort of saying something complimentary about his his podcasting work. So, well, that, you know, I, I, I understand that because that happens to us all the time, right? Yeah. When we when we're places, people come up to congratulate us for uh, our podcasting work, and we all end up invading buildings together. And you know that's completely innocent. So yeah, well, it's a good analogy. Um, so I, I'm curious, what takes so long to present in this case? It's been going nine or ten days. We've gotten through seven witnesses, and you think there's still four more weeks of government presentation. What are the parts of the case that they've already presented? And what's the body of four more weeks of testimony that the government expects to put on? Well, this first cooperating witness, Matt Green, was a fairly low-level guy. So uh, he, he provided interesting information about mainly Pozzola and his impressions. But He's fairly low. He certainly doesn't, he does not know of any plan, which is sort of consistent with the tools idea. The, the government's plan is that only this inner circle was in on the plan. All, all that the other Proud Boys knew was show up at the Washington Monument and you'll find out. So we need to hear from a couple others, probably. There's one named Jeremy Bertino, who... Uh, uh, was fairly high up. He actually wasn't there on January 6th, 
but he was following from North Carolina and uh, allegedly in touch with Tario and the others. And then maybe another witness called Donahoe, who also pled guilty. He was originally, he was in the original indictment with uh, Nordine Biggs and uh, uh, Zachary Real. So we need to hear from him. It is a complex case. They're going to, they're talking also about events in December 2020. The Proud Boys were involved in what was called Million MAGA 2, which was December 12th festivities. Uh, These were um, December 11th and December 12th. And on December 12th, they were involved in uh, skirmishes with, well, Antifa or, you know, people dressed in black. During that period, the Proud Boys tear down a banner, uh, and the jury isn't being told all of this, uh, and they burn the banner. What the jury's not being told is it's a Black Lives Matter banner, and it's being torn down from the Asbury United Methodist Church. Now, whether, you know, they really don't put two and two together and realize it's Black Lives Matter, I, I don't know at this point. But this is important, allegedly, in explaining why Tario wasn't present at January 6th, why he was arrested on January 4th. And it's also allegedly uh, relevant to show why the Proud Boys, who used to be a pro-police organization, become so anti-DC police uh, as of January 5th and 6th. And, and we really also haven't gotten to the main FBI witnesses who introduced tons of telegram messages and parlor messages and uh, things like that, which were absolutely crucial in the Oath Keepers case. In that case, they were signal messages, encrypted signal messages drawn from the defendant's phone. So I think that's going to take a lot of time. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Lawfare listeners. Ben Wittes here. want to tell you about the first time I got a report from the folks at Delete Me. It was shortly after I started using the service back in 2022, and they sent me their first privacy report. I have since gotten eight others, and it contained some shocking information. They had removed my data from 56 separate data brokers, 
that this had included 133 separate records, including 621 individual pieces of personal information. Uh, the data broker with the most information about me was a company I'd never heard of called People by Name. And here's the thing. Since then, every couple of months, I've gotten another privacy report from Delete Me, and it always contains more information that they have removed from the data brokers about me. In the second report, they informed me they had removed my stuff from 41 data brokers and that the one with the most information about me was called HLEC. I have no idea what HLEC is. So the other day, I got my latest report and it includes 15 more data brokers with my personal information, 113 pieces of personally identifiable information, Big culprit this time is something called my life. Well, I want to tell you that they don't have my life anymore. And that is why I recommend Delete Me. As this little anecdote shows, there's a lot of my data out there. And these companies keep acquiring it and making it available to anybody who can pay. And I have uh, slept a little bit more easily ever since I found a solution to this problem. And I want to stress, as I do every time, that I started using this before Delete Me started advertising with Lawfare. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online, and it makes sure it stays off. And that's the point of this little story, that you know they keep coming back. You can get it removed once, but they'll put it back. And then Delete Me comes and takes it off again. It's a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential identity theft, doxing, and phishing scams. Delete Me sends you regular personalized privacy reports, just like the ones I've been describing, showing what info they found where, where they found it, and what they removed. And critically, as this story reflects, it isn't just a one-time service. It's always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you don't want on the internet. It does all the hard work of wiping you and your family's personal information off the web. Data brokers hate Delete Me, which is why I like it. Your profile is no longer theirs to sell. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash lawfare20 and use promo code lawfare20 at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash lawfare20 and enter code LAWFARE20 at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash LAWFARE20, code LAWFARE20. Gotcha. And where has this defense had success so far in these numerous cross-examinations in poking holes in the government's case? Well, there's several defenses that are apparent at the moment. One is, as with the Oath Keepers, it's, there's no concrete plan to invade the Capitol. Like I say, I, I think we've seen already some 
hints of the damage that the government can can do to that theory. For instance, uh, in addition to, to what I've said, the, the, the focusing on the Capitol right before the events, there's also some damaging uh, messages that Tario sends on January 6th while the riot is occurring. Things like uh, around maybe 2.39 p.m., uh, after the riot has begun, the breach has occurred, Atario writes, make no mistake, we did this. So there are some damaging things. Memo yeah. to uh, to uh, aspiring felons in the audience. Uh, generally, uh, you should do your boasts about your crimes orally so that there's yeah. not a permanent record of them. Yeah. The, the other defenses... Um, there is there is a very non-trivial, uh, you know, Trump is the instigator here, uh, not us. Uh, several defendants are pursuing that. And actually, Norm Pattis, who represents Biggs on Thursday evening, said that he is going to try to serve a trial subpoena on Trump. Uh, best of luck to him on that. So, but let's pause over that because I actually think that's an interesting, an interesting hypothesis. So, what is the defense theory that Trump is the instigator? I assume, I assume to to have a judge issue a trial subpoena for Trump's testimony, uh, they would have to be they would have to articulate a theory by which his his conduct is relevant to their defense. How does that theory work? Well, I think how his conduct is relevant is easier to prove than why why we need his testimony, because we already know a great deal about what he did and uh, what he said at the ellipse, which was being was being listened to over phones by the, even the, the crowd that was not present at the ellipse. And um, I, I think that's a very substantial theory. You know, if the government can't nail down that the Proud Boys really caused that first breach, really anticipated these breaches, the natural other argument is that this was crowd b- behavior, uh, given Trump saying things like, you need to fight like hell or you're not going to have a country anymore. That coming on the heels of two months of saying that the election had been stolen and this communist uh, Biden is going to take over. Right. But that's all public. I mean, they they, they yeah. can testify yeah. uh, or call other witnesses. Like it's not a you don't need Trump's testimony in exactly. order to establish that he gave the speech. What's the theory on which they need Trump's testimony or that tr- the things that Trump could say from the stand are relevant to their defense rather than that his conduct that day was relevant to their defense. Yeah. Pattis so far has only uh, broached this in a single sentence on Thursday afternoon. So he hasn't explained what his theory is. We do know that in lots of other January 6th cases, Judges have said exactly what you've said, which is what 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 would he add? We we know what he said. What you know, unless you had a you know personal conversation with him, what's what's he going to say? Now, 
you know, Tario actually did visit the White House on the morning of December 12th. You may remember that he, you know, I think he had a parlor post of himself, a picture of himself uh, in front of or inside the gate and in front of. And he said, well, this was a uh, afterwards, he said this was, a you know, just a normal White House tour. You know, it's conceivable that uh, there might be more there. But and of course, you know, White House tours are not actually that easy to get. I don't know if you've tried. My wife recently went on one and they check your passport and they check your criminal record to see if you have one. And of course, Tario does have one even at that point. But that's pretty far from establishing why you you need Trump's testimony. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that the the plausible basis for getting Trump's testimony would be if you were going to try to elicit from him that there had been some back channel between the White House and the Proud Boys in which yeah. they could say they were operating at presidential instruction, not that that would actually necessarily be exculpatory, but it would certainly complicate the picture. But if all you're going to do is call the president in order to talk about things that are already in the record that happened, and there's no purported contact between the White House and the Proud Boys, it seems like it's probably more of a litigation stunt than anything else. Yeah, I, I think this is a low probability event that this is going to go somewhere. But certainly a high impact event, low probability, but high impact <laughs> if it were to happen. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, there's also sort of a First Amendment protest sort of defense uh, that, you know, uh, just uh, humanizing them. And it's really sort of a that they that uh, you know a protest is American as apple pie. Pattis uh, used that term on Thursday, and the the I think there's been some jury nullification appeals uh, as well during the cross examination. Pattis elicited uh, the fact that uh, after the Civil War, if this is a fact, I think it's more or less a fact that most Confederates were pardoned. Uh, shortly after the war. I think he's referring to a May 1865 uh, decree by uh, President Johnson, Andrew Johnson, if, uh, you know, if you signed uh, an oath, you received some sort of pardon. Uh, but obviously, that was an, there was an objection that was sustained. He also worked into one question, the the, the idea, he was talking to the cooperating witness and he said, and the FBI let you know, he talked about all the charges that the guy was facing at the time and the tremendous amount of prison time he was looking at. And he said, and, and the government and the FBI explained to you, didn't, didn't it, that this would be tried in Washington, D.C. and that Washington, D.C. was a company town, basically, where the U.S. federal government is the company. And again, that was objection sustained. I don't know if the idea was to get the jury angry at the idea that uh, maybe they were being taken for granted, but uh, obviously these there is some appeal to the notion that these guys were just 
they were riled up by the president. They were exercising, uh, you know, our First Amendment rights. They they got carried away. That sort of impressionistic jury nullification argument. On the other hand, that argument sort of concedes the obstruction, right? And the the part of it that's a a kind of unlawful entry to the Capitol, uh, and it merely contests the conspiracy component. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. So one of the it seems to me strongest pieces of evidence that the government has that this was pre-planned is that the breaches occur in four separate locations. And that, you know, presumably if this were just some guys protesting getting carried away, they don't in all four locations spontaneously decide, let's go in, let's, you know, storm the place. Uh, that reflects a certain degree of pre-planning, particularly because all four locations, uh, the breaches involve Proud Boys, and they happen uh, almost simultaneously. So how has the government done on the four-location issue? Yeah, the, so the first is the first breach um, at the Peace Circle, which I mentioned. I would actually say I thought the evidence was and and there's still evidence to come in. I, I think we're going to hear from, you know, somebody, uh, probably a Capitol Police officer who was there, possibly Caroline Edwards, I don't know, but uh, who, who testified before the January 6th committee. But as things stand, I would say the evidence at that first breach is a little less powerful than I thought, uh, based on the January 6th committee, based on some newspaper accounts, because uh, the the interaction between Samsel and Biggs is very brief, and it's about a minute before he 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 strides up there, and it's not clear that that Biggs instigated that uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. It is true that there's a huge crowd of proud boys at exactly the most important point minutes before that barricade goes down and and once it goes down they're right at the fore and they're running down that thing but you still think there's a reasonable doubt that the actual breach of the barricade is a spontaneous gesture by a normie i i think they haven't proven that beyond a reasonable doubt just yet there's a lot of circumstantial Evidence uh, and of course Biggs is also you know he has a megaphone and and the chants are getting faster and more frightening and and more focused on the police rather than on uh, he switched from Antifa to you know to the police and 1776 and and so th- there's that sort of evidence he's riling up the crowd but it it, it really would be stronger if we could link him to Samsel uh, in a more powerful way than we've seen. That part so far, I would say, is weaker um, than I uh, thought. And then they they run down that pathway and they quickly, uh, there's a unmanned barricade that everyone gets past. And then they quickly encounter a low metal fence. And uh, we do see video of 
at least Nordine and Biggs, I believe, helping to destroy that low metal fence. That's breach two. And then they're into the West Plaza. And uh, and then there's a standoff for a period. And then the third breach is uh, a stairway under the scaffolding that begins to lead up to the uh, inaugural stage and and also to the Upper West Terrace. And there, it's a different proud boy named Milkshake, uh, Dan Milkshake Lyons, who seems to be the crucial, uh, the one that really pushes through that barricade. We haven't had a lot of evidence about him yet, but we've had previews. And he's one of those sort of proud boy tools, I think. And incidentally, there's evidence that he is in the process or about to plead guilty. So there's some uh, interest in whether he might become a witness. But he, he would be one of those proud boy tools. And then finally, the last breach is uh, Dominic Pizzola himself uh, smashing the windows. And uh, he's among the first in. And Biggs is one of the first in, too. He goes through the door after somebody opens that. We also have from, we've had some pretty strong evidence against Pizzola, which is a relatively easy thing. He he made a selfie inside the Capitol saying something to the effect, he's smoking a cigar and saying, I knew we could, uh, this is fucking awesome. I knew we could uh, fucking take this thing if we just tried. Proud of your motherfucking boy. Proud of your boy is a is a proud boy's uh, sort of mantra, and then but also Matt Green drove from New York with Pozzola to January sixth. Pozzola is from Rochester, and and Green is from Syracuse. And um, there's audio on January fourth of Pozzola calling Green and saying after after Tario is arrested and saying. Uh, I've talked to leadership, you know, the plan is still on, Uh, we're just going to have a change in command. So that sounds like there was some plan. Pozzola on on another of those voice messages says something about his wife being very worried and uh, that was why he was late to pick them up. He had to talk to his wife and saying, uh, and, and sort of explaining to her that trying to calm her down and uh, and that maybe this will all blow over after a month if it has if it's not become a full blown war. And uh, there is a lot of talk, according to Green, uh, that that he and Pizzola were talking about preparing for civil war. Uh, so so that sort of evidence is, has been uh, pretty impressive. So people will be listening to this on Monday. What will the court be hearing? Who will the court be hearing from? as people are listening to this? The uh, next witness will probably be either a U.S. Capitol Police officer who was present uh, on, I think, the West Plaza, or it will be a uh, special agent, uh, FBI agent, who will be describing the, who will be describing the events of December 12th and 11th, and, and I think introducing some of the social media posts relating to that event afterwards. 
and and maybe if if I, if I just could to try to be fair, I should say that this Matt Green had a very tough cross examination, and you would have to say that uh, uh, the defense scored some points or he took some water with um, apparently. Uh, first of all, you know, he he himself spoke of all of these events from his perspective. He thought uh, the breach one was spontaneous. And in fact, he admitted that he admitted that the first time he spoke to the FBI, he lied to them. He said, at that time, I didn't think I had done anything wrong. I was trying to distance myself from the Proud Boys because, he, you know, he was fearful of the social consequences for his job because he he worked with Hollywood people and he thought he would lose contracts. But but like I say, he's a low level guy and uh, you you wouldn't expect him to know the plan if there was a plan. We are going to leave it there. Roger, thank you for joining us. And of course, you can follow Roger's live coverage of the Proud Boys Trial on the Proud Boys Trial Diary on Lawfare, which is a daily live blog of the site. You can also follow Roger's work live on Twitter. The Lawfare Podcast is produced in cooperation with the Brookings Institution. Our audio engineer is the one, the only Ian Enright of Goat Rodeo. Look, folks, Ian Enright does his part to support the Lawfare podcast. He and his team record every episode. You know, they they keep the sound good. You need to do your part to support the Lawfare podcast, and that means becoming a material supporter of Lawfare. You can do that at patreon.com slash lawfare. The Lawfare podcast is edited by Jen Patia Howell. She does her part to support the Lawfare podcast. See that earlier part about material supporters. Our music is performed by Sophia Yan, who actually, she sits in a corner in Goat Rodeo and plays that Schumann every time we do a recording. And as always, thanks for listening. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.